Perhaps our need for hope doesn't stem from weariness, but instead from a sense of brokenness. You know, as tough as we might try to act, as macho as us men try to be, we, we are pretty fragile. The choices we make, our decisions have consequences. And we've all had times when we have chosen poorly. Are we all together on this? We've all made mistakes. We have all fallen into sin. And when this happens, it often feels like things break. I mean, it feels like we have been crushed, much like what I have here. Now, don't tell, is Christy in here? I think she's, uh, okay, uh, right here. Yes, now I'm going to tell you all something. My bride, and I love my bride, but she loves coffee cups. In fact, one day I went looking for some of my Carolina cups, and they were all gone. It's like, what? And it was just a thing full of coffee cups. What happened? Well, I had to make room for the coffee cups. I'm making some room for something else today. So a lot of times we are like that cup. We look so good, you know, everything. We're working, we're functioning, and then life happens. And life is like a hammer, right? I mean, life can be devastating. <laughs> oh, my. Woo, baby. I don't know if I can put that back together. <laughs> That's the way it is. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like life was crushing you? We all made those mistakes, and, and when we do, it's like we are broken into pieces. How can we put those pieces back together again? How can we ever recover? Because of our choices or a relationship falls apart or we lose a job or our financial situation is just horrible or our marriages are strained. I mean, it can leave us feeling hopeless as we try to pick up all those pieces. We can feel abandoned by God and judged by those around us. And it is in these times when we long for some kind of hope. And I believe that we've all been there. There's no worse feeling than when our sin finds us out. Being exposed can leave us feeling broken and ashamed. And oftentimes this can put us at rock bottom. Anybody ever been at rock bottom in here? But this doesn't have to be the end of the story because when Jesus meets us in that place, when Jesus is here, hope is here. And on the other side, how we interact with people around us who have made mistakes, who are broken themselves, that says a lot about our relationship with Jesus, doesn't it? I mean, do we treat those who are broken, as if we've never been broken? The church should be the place where grace is found 
and forgiveness is extended quickly. So here's the big idea for today. Jesus brings hope to the brokenhearted. There's a story in scripture of a woman who knew exactly what it felt like to be broken and she was in need of some restoration. Now it takes place in John chapter eight and as Jesus is traveling to the temple to teach, he sat down with the crowd and he was teaching and in the middle of his teaching, he was interrupted by this angry mob of religious leaders who were dragging a woman along with them. And we begin reading in John 8, beginning in verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, or in the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, Friends, I want you to think about this woman in the story. I mean, she is brought before everyone, made to stand right in front of all the crowd. And this accusation that she has been caught in the act of adultery. I mean, she was either cheating on her husband or she was with another woman's husband and cheating in that way. And apparently she was apprehended right in the middle of that act. How embarrassing, how humiliating, how shameful, but also in that culture, how scary. I mean, she would have been fully aware that the consequences of that sin, according to the Mosaic law, was that she would be stoned to death. Now, this is what brokenness looks like. A broken marriage, a broken woman, a broken reputation. This is her rock bottom. Now, again, I've said this every time I preach this thing. It is interesting that they don't bring the man into the story, right? The guy's nowhere to be found. They just drag the woman in. Obviously, she's been singled out. That's not fair. That too can lead to some brokenness, don't you think? When you feel like the odds are against you and that you are being treated unfairly. Well, listen, friends, the truth is we have all experienced brokenness. And what is most shocking about this woman's story is that it seems to have been used as a pawn for these religious leaders to get rid of Jesus. They were using her in order to get to him. Her sin was being exploited in front of everyone in order to harm Jesus. This woman was 
Again, caught in the middle and her sin has been exposed. Now our sin being laid bare before everyone can be one of the worst and best moments in our life. Now, easy to understand the worst. I mean, it is horrible because everyone knows the truth about us. On the other hand, it is wonderful because finally, everyone knows the truth about us. No more hiding, no more shame. Everything is out in the open. No more secret sin. Now we can deal with it for better or worse. So here she was, caught in adultery and humiliated before Jesus. She had lost the hope that her fate could ever possibly avoid that cultural, cultural penalty, which was death by stoning. Think about it. She knew it. They were threatening. They had the stones in their hands, ready to destroy her. And then Jesus intervened. We, we go back to chapter 8 and verse 6. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this... Those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. So rather than agreeing, yes, let's, let's put this woman to death because of her sin. Jesus did something very different. I mean, the Bible says that he stooped down and he started writing something in the, the dirt. Now, no one knows what Jesus was writing. I mean, was he writing the names of these men who brought her out there? Was he, was he writing down their sins in the sand? Or was he putting a list of her sins in the sand? Or was he just doodling? We, we have no idea what Jesus was doing. But regardless, when pushed by the mob for an answer, Jesus stood up and he told them that they were free to proceed. Go ahead, stoner. But with one caveat, whichever one of you is without sin, why don't you be the first one to throw a stone? Huh. Sometimes religious people can be very quick to condemn others. Have you discovered that in your life? I mean, we, we look at people that have fallen and we forget our own brokenness. And all of us have come from a broken state, at least spiritually. Before Jesus, we experience brokenness. Now, the truth is, even after Jesus comes into the, our life, we can experience more brokenness. But all of us have experienced a spiritual brokenness before Jesus came. I mean, we were condemned in and of ourselves because of our sin. 
brokenness brings about the experience of the judgment of others upon us. Or the temptation and sin we fall into and the shame and regret that we feel because of that. Relationships are shattered and, you know, we, we have all of these feelings going on, that a feeling like we're not good enough. It's when we forget where we have come from that we become judgmental and ready to cast stones at others. We forget, yes, I have been a sinner too. We may even think that we're better than other people who have been caught in sin. Jesus reminded those leaders that they would have to answer this question, are you a sinner? Have you sinned? And so if you feel like you are without sin, well, just go ahead throw that stone. Are we listening? I mean, before you speak the language of judgment, consider your own life. Consider the brokenness that you have come through. Maybe rather than stoning that person or in essence trying to destroy them, or in our culture, cancel them, you can be a source of hope. You see, broken people need hope. And I think at that moment in that woman's life, she needed hope like she had never needed it before. And there are many people who need hope today, maybe even some of you who are in here, or maybe some that are watching on Facebook Live. Believe me, there is plenty of brokenness to go around. But, friends, the church is a place of hope. At least, I would say it should be. Would you agree with me? You see, sin does not happen in a vacuum. It often has collateral damage. I mean, it touches other people, our family members, our friends, our parents, our children, our grandchildren. It, it becomes common knowledge. As important as it is for the sinner to respond rightly to a shameful decision, it is equally important that the church responds rightly as well. We receive hope. In the midst of our brokenness, when we acknowledge that we have all fallen short and have all sinned before God. Amen? Now, the beauty of the fellowship of the church is that we are able to extend forgiveness and grace to one another because we are all broken people learning each day how to live under the grace of God. Jesus is making a point, not just to those men, but to all of us. He is teaching the religious group a lesson about grace. If you cannot throw a stone at this woman, it is because you are guilty of breaking the law yourself. In fact, 
You know, if you go back to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, every one of those men would have been just as guilty of the same crime they were going to stone this woman for. You remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew 5, 27 through 28, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Hmm, I wonder if any of those guys were there listening that day. These men who dragged this woman in and propped her up in front of everybody to shame her and ridicule her and destroy her, one by one, dropped their stones. And they went home. And I love the detail that the scripture gives. It was the older men first. <laughs> Maybe their wisdom caused them to understand the lesson first. And eventually, those younger, perhaps more stubborn men followed. If you have been casting stones at someone, maybe you should drop that stone that you're ready to throw and maybe you need to listen to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says to all of us. No one is without sin. Listen to what Jesus had to say to this woman. You know, as the dust settles, it's only Jesus and the woman left. And in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. I can imagine Jesus looking at that woman with compassion and love. For the first time in that woman's brokenness, she felt hope. Jesus is the only one in that story who does not condemn her for her sin. And I'm not trying to say what she did was a mistake. I'm not trying to make excuses for it, and neither does the Bible. It was sin. But Jesus doesn't stand there and condemn her. He is the only one who does not want to punish this woman for her wrongdoing. Rather, Jesus offers her grace. The first words ever spoken over us were words of love. As we were born into this world and our parents took us and they just loved us, I don't think my uh, brothers and sister loved me that much. They said I was a chubby thing that they brought home and took away all their attention, you know. But the truest thing about you is that you are loved by God. Do you know that this morning? Do you really know that God loves you? God does not determine your value based upon how well you perform. God does not decide how worthy you are based on whether you are perfect or not. God does not decide your worth based on your reputation. I mean, you look at all the stories in the, in the gospel where Jesus reached out to people who had bad reputations and who made bad choices in life. 
And yet he loved them and he offered forgiveness. He didn't condone their sin, but he offered grace. God calls you valuable because he made you. Your hope is found in a God who loves you just the way you are, but loves you too much to leave you that way. Now think about that. He loves you even now, but he loves you enough to want to see change. Change that would be better. If you're feeling that shame and reproach from past sin, you need to know that Jesus still loves you. He doesn't reject you. The reason he came was to save you from all that. Now, we all know John 3.16, right? You can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. Most of you, if you went to Sunday school, probably memorized that. But how many of us memorize verse 17? I think it's very important that we, the church, remember verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to do what? Condemn the world, but to what? Save the world through him. Understand that Jesus loves you. He doesn't love your sin but he loves you. And in fact, he loves you so much that he gave his life to take away that sin so that that sin would not condemn you. He knows what the sin will do to you. He knows how it breaks us and shatters us. He knows the suffering and the pain and the hurt that it brings. He understands the brokenness we experience because of sin, because he himself was broken because of our sin. You know, as he hung on that cross, the sin of every human being, whoever lived or whoever would live, was upon his shoulders. Think about that. Think about how hard it is for you to carry your own sin and the weight of it. He was carrying the weight and the burden of all of our sin. You see, he came to save us from it, not to condemn us. And as Christians, we need to remember that. Our mission is not to go out and condemn people, but to save people. Now, that might mean that we confront people in a loving way with sinful behavior, but never from the standpoint that we are better than they are and that we are ready to stone them and destroy them. We are sinners saved by grace. We don't deserve to be here. Are y'all with me? Not one of you and not me, none of us deserve to be here. And so we are no better than that person that has been broken by sin. The difference is that God has reached into our hearts and our souls and has changed us. You see, friends, God puts the broken pieces back together. 
And we need to understand that Jesus clearly does not condone this woman's sin. In fact, the last words that he spoke to her in verse 11, go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus cares about how we live our lives. He cares about the decisions we make that leave us broken. Jesus wants to expose the sin, but not for the same reason as the religious leaders. Another pastor says it this way, God exposes sin not to shame us, but to change us. You see, these men expose this woman's sin to shame her, to humiliate her, to destroy her, but also with that ulterior motive to trap Jesus. They were not genuine in this. And Jesus exposes sin for a different reason. He wants to make us whole. He wants to put the broken pieces back together, put them back together. You know, he wants to make us new again, like that cop. I have good news for you today. If you find yourself broken, if you feel like you are surrounded by people who only want to throw stones, Jesus meets you here in this place and hope is here. You have a choice to make and it will determine the future that you will live with. Two options. First of all, make no changes and continue on your current trajectory. To me, that seems a little hopeless. By doing that, the broken pieces will never be put back together again. But the other option you have is to turn your life over to Christ, to bring your brokenness to Him. Come to faith, put your trust in Jesus, recognize the sin that has not only broken you, but it has separated you from God. You know, being baptized into Christ after repenting of our sin enables us to be reborn and to be made new. In Peter's first gospel sermon, he explained to broken people how they could be mended. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37 when the people heard this, and that was the sermon that Peter preached, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now, when it says they were cut to the heart, I believe that means they were broken in their spirit because they knew that what he was saying was true. They had rejected the Son of God. Some of them had probably been those who were calling for Jesus to be crucified. And so Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, including us, for all whom the Lord our God will call. For anyone who comes to faith in Christ and repents of that sin that has broken them and separated them from God, and they confess that faith before others and they are immersed in the Christ, 
There is healing and there is hope. And if you're here today and maybe, maybe you've done part of that, maybe you've, you have belief, but you've never really repented of that sin. Maybe there's some sin going on right now that you need to bring before God. Well, maybe that's the step you need to take today, right now. Maybe the step you need to take is to confess. Stop being ashamed. Stop being afraid to speak the name of Jesus. Maybe that's where you need to start. Or maybe, maybe you've done those things, but you've never taken that step to be immersed into Christ. Maybe that's where you need to go today. Peter said that if we did this, our sins would be forgiven and we would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We would be new creations. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. New. The old has gone. And the new is here. We are made new. The old ways of living become things of the past. And God does something new in us. Friends, the church is more than a gathering point for a whole bunch of sinners. It is a gathering point for a whole bunch of sinners who are learning every day how to live into this new life. The church should be the place where grace is found more readily than any other place on earth. The grace of God and the grace found from those with whom we fellowship is the key to our hope. So why don't you invite somebody to come out to Stations of the Cross? Pick some of these cards up. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Because that is a message of hope, isn't it? Isn't it the resurrected Jesus, the message of hope that broken people need? That this life is not all there is and that we can be raised just like Jesus was. When you help people with your donations for 86 hunger, you're offering hope to people. Some people are broken by hunger and poverty. And maybe through your gift, you're offering just a little hope. I know many of you helped out with David Rayfield, and David is here today. God bless you, David. David's gotten into that apartment. He's put all his stuff away. He's, he's ready to go, ready to roll. But, you know, all of that help, I think if you were to talk to David, he would say that gives him hope. When you pour out your love to those who have lost a loved one like our own Janet Robertson's mom passed away and her funeral was yesterday. But when, when they saw people from the church who came out, when they got messages and cards and texts and emails and phone calls, that made them have hope. You are bringing hope for the broken God is using you. He is using the church to bring hope and to heal people who are hurting. So as we love each other, we show the world the love of Jesus. 
And this is what Jesus was talking about when he said this in another part of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And so listen, friends, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When you give hope to the broken, that's what you're doing. Juan Carlos Ortiz is a well-known pastor from down in South America, and he shares this illustration that expresses what living in the reality of this hope of grace is like. He said he was watching a trapeze show, and he said, you know, it, it, it can be breathtaking as you watch that kind of show. We wonder at the dexterity and the timing of those who are doing this. We gasp at near misses, which a lot of times are, are fake, you know. But in most cases, there is a net underneath, right? So when the trapeze artist falls, they jump up and they bounce around and they get back up on that trapeze. Now, he makes this allusion. In Christ, we live on the trapeze. The whole world should be able to watch and say, look how they live, how they love one another. Look how well their husbands treat their wives. And aren't they the best workers in the factories and the offices? The best neighbors? The best students? Look how this church loves its community. This is to live on the trapeze, being a show to the world. What happens when we slip? Well, the net is surely there, and Jesus is there to bring forgiveness and offer hope. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ has provided forgiveness for all our sins. Both the net and the ability to stay on the trapeze are works of God's grace. And of course, we cannot be continually sleeping on the net, right? I mean, if that's the case, Juan Carlos Ortiz says, I doubt whether that person is a trapeze artist. But this morning, I, I want to invite you with your broken pieces and all to believe that God can make something beautiful of your life again. I want to invite you to trust the community, the church, that he has placed you within to offer hope to one another and live out this wonderful, grace-filled life together. Jesus is here. And where Jesus is, hope is. Father, thank you for healing our brokenness. Jesus cares about our broken relationships, our families, our, our hearts, our souls. And I pray for those who are broken today. I pray, God, that you would bring peace, that you would bring comfort, that 
You would repair their souls, that you would mend that brokenness within them. Help us, Father, your church, to offer hope to those who are broken. May we be your feet and your hands and your voice as we minister to those who are hurting. And may we trust in you to put our broken pieces back together. In the name of Jesus. Amen.